0: Hey guys, this is Paper in Pain. I'm Steve.
1: I'm still Christian. How Steve? are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks. And today we have a guest. Well, a very special guest. Uh, a very special. Very place. special. I'm very testing prestige. out a new recording studio. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm still shaking. I will let uh, our guest introduce herself in just a second. Mm-hmm. just wanted to take a moment to thank everybody who may be listening or five of you i love you personally uh we did one episode with uh, timothy weeks ago on sustainable living and living slowly so you may want to check that one out covered a lot of topics that we're going to touch on today as well To our guest today. Nadia, how are you?
2: Hey everyone. I'm good. Feeling uh, energized and excited to dive in.
0: I have to do this bicycle round from your place to here. Yeah. In yeah. the 3 p.m. afternoon sound in Singapore. Oh
1: goodness.
2: I mean I well, I advocate for sustainability, right? Yeah. I have to <laughs> you know. <laughs> I know I on yeah, I do live pretty close by, so mm. Yeah, when you guys told me the address, I was like, yes, I can cycle. Yeah, that's yeah great. it's that's uh, great. Yeah, it's good.
1: Beautiful. Uh, tell us in the audience about yourself. How do you introduce yourself these days? In-
2: yeah, um, <laughs> it's it's really hard to, I guess, quantify all the things that I do because I mm-hmm. love doing so yeah. many things. But mm-hmm. if I had to encapsulate all of that. Um, I guess first and foremost I am a social media professional so that's what I do in my professional work that that's what pays the bills Mm -hmm. (laughs) but I'm also um, I guess I call myself an eco-conscious advocate. I've been doing that for the past maybe six years or so Um, and yeah like those are the two main things. I mean obviously I also love doing yoga I love dancing, I love cooking, I'm also an urban farmer, so so mm-hmm. many good things, and a cat mom, but yeah, I guess a lot of people know me as, um, yeah, that mm-hmm. girl who advocates for sustainability online, or Skinny cat woman on Instagram. Skinny
1: Catwoman is <laughs> just about to say that. Or just, people know you be Nadia.
2: Yes, Nadia. Yes. Nadia.
1: Oh, we, we we also usually ask our guests to share one boring fact about themselves. A lot of them bail out of this; they can come we up with anything ask the boring. Question. Yes, is there anything boring about your life?
2: I mean, the reason why people can't come up with anything, and those who are not here with us in the room (I'm putting that in air quotes) is because mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. maybe they're afraid of being vulnerable. But no kidding. Um, <laughs> Uh, uh-huh. So a boring fact about me is that I like to clean as I go and I'm cooking in the kitchen. <laughs> what that means is like I hate dishes piling up. Mm-hmm. So when I'm cooking and I like put away utensils, you know, like whatever, I'm also like cleaning it as mm-hmm. I cook because I don't want to leave it till the end, you know?
1: This I knew way. I wasn't alone. I wasn't <laughs> alone either. But sometimes
0: it just can because if you're frying an egg, and the eggs will be fried,
1: and then you're washing your dishes. You don't want to know how I fry my <laughs> eggs because, like, it's always it, it has to be crystal clear. You know, you can't leave anything in the sink. You, you have a SOP for your frying egg schedule, so, uh, well, which I, I, do. I, I I try to take my pills first, uh, wait a little bit for them to kick in, and then do the cooking that like calms me down a little bit. I was so happy that with the new iOS release,
0: they can finally do the multiple timers. So you do the timer when you're frying an egg and then you do another timer when you're actually washing your dishes. But the worst case is... As long as
1: you're not frying your dishes and washing your egg because you messed up the timers. (laughs) But the worst case is all the
0: timers starting to, to, to fire up that's where all the panics come in oh
2: i mean you can also not use a timer and mm-hmm. be like a pro in the kitchen i'm kidding i'm uh, yeah. <laughs> not a pro that's that's why that's why i need <laughs> just, to rely just on let timer. It slow, you know like oh i have to wash this now you know sometimes when you're mm-hmm. like making something it's like okay now i have to wait a few minutes for that mm-hmm. to be ready i have time to do this and mm-hmm. so they're like wiping and cleaning but yeah i think um, yeah that's
0: remarkable so, for me i normally forgot the time at all if i'm doing something else mm-hmm. and then the, the moment when i come back the, yeah. the 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 fried egg will be the
1: charcoal already okay it's occasionally even worse in in, in my the case. whole pot explode uh, luckily no but uh that surprisingly ties really well to our today's topic i forget that i have things mm-hmm. in my fridge and i just end up forgetting them there forever you just remember that to a point where, you know, like a few months later, I mm-hmm. discovered that there was in fact an onion back there, just sitting there for a few months, all lonely, you know, and, you know, shrinking down. Poor onion. And you uh, just said being a pro in the kitchen. And I mm-hmm. thought, well, does utilizing everything that we have, mm-hmm. uh, all, you know, all the produce that we purchase. uh, making sure that you're not wasting more than you should be wasting. You know, Uh, does that make you a pro? Which surprisingly enough is what we want to talk about today. We want to talk about how we purchase and consume things, how we live Mm -hmm. uh, with the feeling of making good impact on the world around us and how we as designers can essentially, uh, if the, at best, contribute to, you know, improving the situation a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the very least, how uh, can we be conscious of our choices, make ethical decisions, and, you know, live with ourselves? Uh, where should we start?
0: Let's start with a um, very heavy topic
1: yeah let's let's start with uh, something really really heavy. How did you get into your lifestyle? I guess you were not like born into it, especially mm-hmm. being a Singaporean. no offense to Singaporeans. Uh, I just rarely observe this in a country that does not recycle its garbage.
2: No um, as a Singaporean you uh, I, I approve of what you say. <laughs> um, it is a very consumerist culture. Mm-hmm. Um, everything needs to be convenient and fast and near. If you think about how uh, HDBs or condos are marketed, mm-hmm. it's like five minutes from this shopping mall, two minutes from the MRT. Everything mm-hmm. needs to be super convenient, which is like all well and good. Mm-hmm. But it just primes us for a life of like fa- a fast-paced life, right? And like mm-hmm. go, 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 go. And not like let's step back a bit and be like it's okay i can take that extra 10 minutes to walk to the station or whatever Mm -hmm. right so um personally like i i guess when i grew up maybe i had that innate um respect for nature because i've always liked adventure um exploring the wild uh I used to, you know, go on, like, road trips with my parents when I was much younger, and uh, (laughs) I still remember, like, I had this T-shirt from when I was much younger. I don't have it anymore because obviously Mm -hmm. it's too small. But Mm -hmm. on it, it said, Born to be Wild, and it was one of my favorite T-shirts ever, and it it was of this, like, little baby boy on a Jeep. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And it's like, yeah, that's me. But then, I guess, as I grew up, like that that's always been in my, in the back of my mind, but mm-hmm. yeah, I would just not really tap into that side of me and just live as usual, um, business as usual. Mm-hmm. But I guess the true <laughs> awakening, I, uh, if you want to call it that way, was, yeah, like six years ago, about six years ago when I started, um, it really was born out of, um, my love for yoga and meditation, not yet. But, mm-hmm. you know, when you practice yoga, you're controlling your breath and you have to really ground yourself into your body and all of that mindful stuff. So that also led to me being interested in meditation. And and also, while all of that was happening, I, I guess I was also back then um, quite known in the fashion scene mm-hmm. um when I started my Instagram um I started doing it because I wanted to show people the different fashion styles I was interested in you know like the OOTDs right mm-hmm. <laughs> um so different outfits every day and then I would be very involved in the different uh, fashion events um yeah just really obsessed with fashion really um And then when I kind of had that realization that my values were kind of changing and yeah, I was just taking a step back and examining my life and the kinds of choices I made in my life versus the values that I hold true, they were not matching anymore. And I felt Mm -hmm. very conflicted because when I grew my following organically on Instagram, Mm -hmm. everyone was following me for this brand of Nadia being this, like, oh, she's so different in the way she dresses compared to other Singaporeans. Like, um, she's very alternative. uh, And just, yeah, I guess that was, that was like my brand, right? Mm -hmm. So coming to terms with changing, not really changing, but I would say like growing out of that persona conflicted me in a way because I was like, oh no, people follow me for this. But if I'm going to change the way I... Uh, promote the way I live, I'm gonna lose my following. (laughs) And I actually thought about all of that. Um, But I would rather be true to myself. And that's always how I've um, approached social media anyway, even when I started with all the fashion stuff. So yeah, I started um, changing the way I live. But also because I started researching uh, into the fashion industry and um, effects of uh, mass production I guess fast fashion back then um, and I think the incident that really sparked it off was the Rana Plaza collapse in Bangladesh mm-hmm. where like thousands of workers were killed and reading all of that and when I think around that time also was when um, talk about sustainable fashion and all the regulations started to be, be a bit more uh, to There there was more awareness around that topic, right? And so, yeah, I was reading about all of that and thinking, wait, why am I still buying into this whole culture and supporting um, this industry that it's very very exploitative towards the environment, to workers, and that's not who I am. That's not the kind of uh, industry I would want to support anymore. And so I Mm -hmm. felt like it was time for a change. It was really difficult to make that change because... It, it also came at a time when um, I was... So, I used to model a lot more than I do now. Mm-hmm. But back then, I also landed like a huge campaign. Um, it was a very well-known international campaign. And when I came back to Singapore, all these huge fashion brands started to want to work with me. Mm-hmm. And then I was... So, so it's like... All of that just started. And then one year after that, basically, I had like my awakening, right? And I was like, oh, shit, I have to say no to all these big brands. And yeah, just coming to terms with having to make that switch was really, really difficult. But deep down, I knew it was the right decision for me because slowly when I made that change and even if I lost followers, like people who actually saw my growth stuck with me. And, yeah, I've even gotten messages from some followers sometimes who, like, will message me separately and be like, hey, Nadia, I've been following you for many years. Just wanted to say it's really nice to see your transformation from this to this and, like, keep doing the work that you do and using your platform to advocate for this space. And, yeah, I guess it's it's really nice, you know, that I still have people who support me um, no matter what like I've been doing. So, yeah, that's a gist <laughs> of how... Um, I switched my lifestyle, Mm. (laughs) essentially.
1: There's so much we need to unpack over here.
2: Yeah. It's
0: a lot of courage when you want to go against the main flow.
2: It is, it is. And I think a lot of people are afraid to do that, right? Mm -hmm. I know a lot of... I I have been lucky at least to have surrounded myself with friends who were very supportive as well when I was making that change. Mm -hmm. Um, But also, it just so happened I have another friend who was also really prominent in the fashion scene. I dare say she was even more prominent than me because she was a fashion designer. Mm -hmm. She was very, like... She was known as a fashion chameleon, you know? She had so much, like, attitude when she was presenting herself in all these different clothes. And we connected at a fashion shoot. Mm -hmm. Um, we, We had always crossed paths, but we never really spoke. But one day, she came up to me. She's like, Hey, Nadia, nice to meet you. I see you around, but just wanted to introduce myself. And so we started speaking and so I call her my soul sister and basically Mm -hmm. we kind of had this awakening at the same time and we supported each other through processing all that we were feeling and everything that was going on with what we wanted to do with our lives and it was nice to have at least just one person who understood how it feels you know to go through that transformation and not saying that all our other friends weren't supportive, they totally understood, but to the full extent of it, yeah, my soul sister, she was she was one of those, um, one of those who, in my life at that point, who really helped, um, I guess, offer some support <laughs> going through that, yeah.
1: You, you, you call it transformation, you call it awakening. Mm-hmm. Uh, we... Present this as something that is tough, and you need to build a support system to go over it. Uh, it does sound a little scary, so maybe let's do it like that. Let's just uh, unpack a little bit about like what does that mean? You call it living intentionally. I like intentional living, as you know the uh, the, the the phrase and what it embodies. But mm-hmm. essentially, what does that mean to you? Mm-hmm. And let's think about it. Uh, you know, step by step as in what are the the things that you think are like foundational to it and what are some of the things that you you keep improving as you progress? Mm
2: -hmm. Uh, So I like to see it as building a house, right? And you mentioned the word foundation. Mm -hmm. So if you want to build a strong and sturdy house, you need a good foundation. And I personally feel, and time and time again, when I read books or listen to audiobooks or watch a podcast, everything everyone mentions boils down to your way of thinking like mindfulness using meditation building that strong I guess um, sense of self before you even work on the things outside of you right so Mm -hmm. for me I've always had that and this that feeling it Always been there since I was a teenager, actually. So naturally, I'm a very intuitive, uh, introspective person. Mm-hmm. And I used to think that was a bad thing because I'm like, why am I always, uh, I wouldn't call it over analyzing, but I would reflect on things. So I would experience something and reflect on like why I felt that way or what was the um, thought process like and all of that. And now that I have the words to fully comprehend what all of that meant I was like okay how like how far can I take this and then that's why I mentioned mindfulness meditation earlier Mm -hmm. because that really served as the foundation to my advocacy in the sustainability space and this is something I always share about um, even when I do talks right educational talks uh, about the topic I always mention like it's very important to work on your inner garden first before you tend to the garden outside, right? So if you... If your inner garden is rotten and you're you you know you're not managing it and you're not taking care of it, um, of course, it's going to spread out to the outside, right? And this is something that takes time. You need to... It needs a lot of work. Um, it's not easy for sure. I... Sometimes people ask me, "Oh, how do you how do you meditate regularly?" Like I can't, I can't sit for like five minutes. And like I also did, couldn't sit for five minutes before, but I found different ways to do it so that I can practice it in my own way. By and, tying yourself to the chair. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I was listening to mm-hmm. very different types of meditation tracks, you know, mm-hmm. you I mean it's it's like a big world out there for meditation, but I found what works for me and I'm the kind of person who likes to if I'm really interested in something, I'll do a deep dive uh, on it and I'm not just going to do a little bit of it and then just forget about it, right? I'll keep going at it. Um and that's habit, right? So that's like mindset change, habit change. So that was my foundation. Um to basically uh, help me build everything else, um, and I think COVID also helped strengthen that foundation a bit more because obviously we all stuck at home. Um, I yeah was like pushed to the edge also during COVID, as I'm sure many people were, and just didn't know what to do, couldn't control my thoughts, and. I was thinking like, okay, I'm going to take meditation even more seriously and learn everything. And yeah, it's been quite um, grounding for me, I would say. Uh, Very refreshing. It's like I built this, not a force field, but just uh, I created like a lightness for myself, right? Mm -hmm. and Especially in doing this work, it can get very heavy. You know, you have all the climate doomerism and all the negativity, and that's a lot to take on, um, especially when you're trying to advocate in this space. But if you have that foundation set, you see all of that and you're like, okay, I understand that's happening, but what can I do to help make that better?
0: So the foundation is like you're constantly. Very mindful and and
1: intentional before you make a decision. Yes. Do you think that is something that we, especially in Singapore, miss a lot? Uh, Yeah,
2: I mean it's and not just singapore right i would say in everywhere in, the world. in yeah, cities yeah exactly really like in cities
0: urbans yeah
2: yeah in cities you just get lost in the concrete jungle mm-hmm. <laughs> if you want to call it that um and but also like you know the older you get the less you pay attention to the little things right or yes. like the less you try and find wonder in uh, your everyday life you know you mm-hmm. just
1: Just go to work, yeah, wake
2: up, go to work, go home. Like you kind of get into a routine, nothing wrong with that. Mm -hmm. But at a point you kind of forget to just, yeah, like ground out into yourself and truly ask yourself like, okay, what, what does this all really mean? Like what, uh, what is my, what are my values and my purpose? I know that sounds (laughs) so big, like such a big word, but Mm -hmm. we all have one. And it just takes a bit more time to like hone that intuition. And again, this other word, intuition, is something I've been um, paying attention to more recently. Um, we all have an intuition, it's just how we choose to listen to it. Um, and again, that takes practice. Like, you don't just sit around and be like, "Ooh, I have intuition now. <laughs> no, it really takes mm-hmm. a lot of work. Yeah. So you have to be able to. Really, sit with yourself, no distractions, no noise, just even sometimes sitting in silence, right? Mm-hmm. I think uh if you live in a city, it's really hard to do that, and um yeah it's it's basically, yeah, just finding that time to be still and um building your foundation,
0: yeah, and make sure your house is soundproof,
2: yes, go
0: for level ten and above. Or,
2: or, if you take it a step further, mm-hmm. <laughs> in meditation, it's like, mm-hmm. you can, if you can meditate and someone's doing construction above mm-hmm. you, then you...
0: You choose what to well, listen Well, you're not,
2: like, a, an expert, but that shows, like, okay, you know how to kind of accept that sound mm-hmm. as, like, okay, yep, it's part of... Label guy, it and let but it go. Yeah, exactly, so...
0: There's some, there's something like <laughs> That sounds like something I need to do because there's construction ongoing besides my house right now. Yeah, And it's yeah. like from Monday to Saturday. Yeah. They started to pioneer all the foundations. Yeah. Foundation from like February this year
1: until now. Wow. It's, it's like, like you're placing yourself in a challenging environment right away. Mm-hmm. And even yeah. when you're trying to meditate, there's always those little areas. Yeah. Whether it's someone drilling next mm-hmm. door or is it someone just trying to... <laughs> It's tough. Direct the house.
2: Yeah. Now,
0: dear, just now you mentioned about the routine, that
2: mm-hmm.
1: like when we
0: get older, we start to get into comfortable with the routine we normally do. And that actually reminds me of something I recently read. It's, it's more towards stoicism. And um, it's basically a quote from Seneca. And he said, like, some people strive for nothing just going through the motion of daily routine without any sense that the most valuable commodity they have is time. And the time is slipping away so we and some like we have a clear idea of what we want to do but paralyzed by the fear of failure or putting this off and delay since that can actually control up excuses for why not now i think when now is not the best time to react so um we are consumed by the routine when we get older and uh, do you think that's also like because we're not paying much intention or or attention to it or would not be mindful about the choices we make every day it's just like Mm. getting too comfortable with what we're doing
2: Mm. Um, i think i feel like sometimes you are product of your environment right so Mm -hmm. as much as you try and be mindful sometimes you are just in an environment that is v- not conducive to that at all, and maybe you can try and get out of it, or maybe you can try work the environment, but some people are just not there yet, and it's going to be really difficult. So I like, I mean, I don't like to just assume that everyone is, um, I guess, a zombie, or and they're not mindful everyone is. It's just that you know, yeah, life happens and sometimes we get distracted and busy and all of this. But unfortunately, maybe for some people also, it takes like a huge life change mm-hmm. for them to be able to like, wait a minute, what am I doing, you know, and just start to slowly get out of that, I guess, uh monotonous state. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um So yeah, no, I don't think... uh People, I, I, everyone has that um, innate sense of wanting to do something purposeful. And when I say that, you don't have to do a huge thing. You don't have to, like, change the world. You don't have to be, like, the world leader, right? Mm-hmm. You can do that in your, every like, small everyday things, you know? You can even, um, if I go back to advocating for sustainability, you don't necessarily have to be, oh, I need to be, like, a very... Outspoken activist, you can be a quiet activist at home mm-hmm. and change your family's minds about things. You can also do little things at home with how you live, like
0: setting an example for the rest of family members.
2: Exactly. So it, for me, I always tell people that we're all on different journeys, mm-hmm. um, and that's okay. Like, you don't all have to get there. At the same time, you know, some might take longer than others and that's fine. Like That's just how we are built, right? So just coming to terms with that, I think, makes it, will make it less overwhelming for people to make a positive change in their life. Yeah.
1: I think when it comes to changing the, like, in general, the ways of living, people usually use the same arguments, right? It may Mm -hmm. be something unfamiliar, Mm -hmm. which they would be intrinsically... Uh, well terrified of it may come off as something yes demanding as in you need to go 180 on what you do today which is not always something that people will opt for Mm -hmm. for many it also seems like well it's expensive right you want to choose organic products yeah you pay up right you want to start recycling again and it just you know things just start piling up so I guess I'm. I'm just trying to understand how, uh, you know, how you can get started. Uh, okay, if we've established that you need to first take care of yourself, like internally, and the episode that we did on mental wellness recently, it looks like it all comes back to to that. Just take care of yourself, you know, love thyself, mm-hmm. and then do the rest of it. But still, how do I, you know, change this uh, perception of uh, the transformation as, well, you know, I, I don't want to see it as a revolution. I need to like inflict upon myself. I don't want it to cost me everything. I want it to be organic and I want it to become natural. And how do I do it? Like it is scary. Mm.
2: Um, yeah. I. So I always tell people, do what you can, right? Um, when you say it's expensive... Um, obviously, we can't all afford that fancy organic produce. And um, that's another layer of (laughs) that conversation, which is also um, talked about a lot, where sustainability seems like this unattainable thing for most people because it's not very inclusive or affordable. But actually... Because they're just looking at one side of things. Or they're looking at the commodified version of it. Mm-hmm. Of course, if you um, look at... Okay, for example, sustainable fashion. Everyone's mm-hmm. like, it's so expensive. You buy a t-shirt for $100. But you some people will jump at the price point when Kylie releases a <laughs> product. You know what I mean? So anyway, yeah. um it's it's only expensive if you make it that way, right? But yeah. I think it's best to always focus on one thing at a time. So for me at least um when it came to sustainable fashion, because you know that was like the thing that um made me switch was yes I did look at some sustainable fashion brands and was like okay when I can afford it I will. But also, do I really need that item? I already mm-hmm. have something in my wardrobe that I can wear for it. Um, or I look at other options like thrift shops or clothing swaps, right? That's mm-hmm. getting a bit more popular now. Um, really, there's so many alternatives out there. And and when you talk about produce, we live in, in the context of Singapore. We have wet markets. So if you think about... Or like farmer's markets, there's more of that now, right? Mm-hmm. Going to having these options instead of going to the supermarket and looking at the organic produce section mm-hmm. is much better, right? So so I think sometimes people, again, like they want the easy way to do something instead of being like, okay, how can I just make tiny, tiny changes in my life so that I can make better choices? Um, but yeah, really just take it like one step at a time instead of wanting to cover everything all at once um, to make it less overwhelming. So yeah, I, it took me a while again, like I'm still learning. I'm still, uh, I'm not like super perfect. I don't, we will never be perfect, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but I found, I guess, my own way of doing things that, um, I guess contributes positively to what I'm advocating for. So yeah, don't, don't like, don't put yourself in a position where it's going to feel overwhelming for you, Mm um, And also, it's totally fine to feel overwhelmed at the beginning. That's how I felt. This is like the stages we go through when we want to embark on this journey. We're like, oh my gosh, this is all happening. What can I do? It's too much. And then you don't want to do anything. But then you kind of get out of that funk and be like, okay, okay, I need to do something. And then you slowly find ways to fit whatever it is that will go with your lifestyle. Because at the end of the day, it shouldn't impede the way you live. It should... Um, be an added bonus to it
0: it's Um, like you're doing one thing at one time and then once you're getting into the habits then start doing something
2: yeah it's like my takeaway coffee cup right Mm -hmm. i i have like this foldable one now and i just try and bring it everywhere if i know i'm gonna get coffee or wherever or even when i'm going out to a club (laughs) sometimes Mm -hmm. if i know that club Uses plastic cups. I will mm-hmm. bring my own and I'll just like, oh, I just put mm-hmm. it in my cup. And it's don't also... Don't
1: to ask why you go to a club that says drinks and plastic cups. There are some cups. that
0: sure. do that. Yeah. Exactly. It, it's it, for that,
2: convenience.
0: <laughs> it's... Yes, it's like... You're paying for the convenience that you're yeah. getting. But yeah. there, there was once that, you know, I was bringing my coffee mug to, to a, you know, this local Nanyang Coffee, Coffee tea shop. Mm-hmm. And I was asking for a cup of uh, ice lemon tea from there. And the auntie told me, your cup is too small. We can't fit <laughs> into the standard size inside. And I was, ask, I was telling her, okay, is there something like a smaller, smallest size you could give to me? I'll just get that. And she said, no, this is all standard size. I have to give you a plastic cup because your mug is too small.
2: Yeah. So <laughs> this is like another thing about Singapore, which yes. it will take you some time to get used to if yeah. you're new in Singapore, but it does ways around it. So <laughs> some some Singaporeans, like to your, to your um, example of the Kopitiam, it's like, oh, cannot fit uh, I need to fit it. it's, like, it's okay auntie I'll I'll pay the same price just put whatever you can in the cup right and some of them need a bit of convincing and uh, they'll be okay with it but you know some are just so by the book so that, by the book, yeah yes. they don't want to do that the, the but same. it's possible just be like you are getting extra money for little, mm-hmm. you know so I and, think, and, and the auntie are very happy
0: <laughs> to hear that
2: yeah yeah so it is it is possible but speaking
0: that. of Singapore you know Singapore do not the, the, basically all Singaporeans there is not a very a very standard recycling scheme either you're living in HDB or you're living in a condo uh, Singapore general does not recycle the rubbish and does that mean I can just like stop sorting it out? because for me I, I'm doing something like if it's paper I try to put all the paper contents into one set of separate plastic bag before I throw it away but doesn't it mean that I can just stop sorting it out because there will be somebody else doing all the dirty work for me. And we don't normally just recycle all the, all the trash then.
2: Okay. Um, we do recycle. Uh, mm-hmm. It's just that the number is really low. It's not a huge number, but it's at least something. So the common bin that we all know about is the blue bin, right? Yes. So you can put it uh, Plastic, paper, aluminium in that bin. And Mm -hmm. what happens is it's taken to a sorting facility in Singapore and it Mm -hmm. gets sorted by hand Mm -hmm. before it gets sent to Malaysia. Um, Because Singapore, we don't have the recycling facility to do that. So it's all Mm -hmm. sorted here and then sent overseas. Uh, I won't say don't bother putting it anymore. I think it's great that you... Um, still do that and you separate it and put it in a plastic bag so a bit easier for
0: them to sort it out as
2: well it's still a valuable thing to do Mm -hmm. um i would just share the facts anyway like last so let's say like whatever i can't i can't remember how many tons gets recycled but out of all of that Mm -hmm. that gets collected last year only four percent that can be recycled and Figure-wise, that's pretty much like a given when it comes to recycling things like this because at the end of the day, people, you know, they don't really follow instructions. They throw food stuff in there. If it gets contaminated, Mm -hmm. the whole thing can also not be recycled. But there is still um, benefit to doing that anyway because something is still better than nothing, right? So, um, yeah, I think... uh, Now, there's more... Actually, there there are more um, opportunities for recycling things. Mm -hmm. Like, we have our e-waste bins. Oh, yeah, the e-waste. E-waste bins and the 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 Circular Fashion Enterprise Mm -hmm. I'm with. We have our yellow textile recycling bins. It's everywhere all around Singapore now. We have over 340 bins. Mm -hmm. So, any types of textiles, even accessories, um, shoes, bed linens, all that you can put in a yellow bin. So... There are a yellow lot of options. Yeah.
0: I've I never seen that in a community So yet.
2: it is, um yeah, it looks, it's yellow in color. Okay. And you'll see the word textile recycling bin.
0: I need to check that because yeah. I do have uh, some, we, uh, like, closes.
2: Yeah. So if you go to uh our website, Kloop, we have a live uh, mm-hmm. Google map of all the bins and the locations. And then you can just tap on the one the that's closest. Bean. Yeah. It's a... You can go to our website, klup.sg, <laughs> to okay. see it. But that is something that that is something that's been rolled out for the past year. Uh, yeah, it's been like just over, Like, the first bin was rolled out last year in July. And now we have over 340 bins. Um, I mean, it's been... Like, we're quite lucky because we found a really great recycling partner... Mm -hmm. Um, nothing goes to landfill like all the textiles get recycled and this recycling partner is actually like ISO certified Um, they comply with all the environmental regulations and Mm -hmm. they are so thorough with their sorting they have 500 categories to sort their clothes and yeah they, they like everything has a function either they repair something or mm-hmm. they make it into something else. So yeah, that's for us at least Like in terms of tex- textiles. Um, when it comes to like other materials, yeah, mm-hmm. You so far now there's that blue bin. Um, actually, there's another blue bin for paper. Uh, mm-hmm. The company is called SG Recycle mm-hmm. and they just focus on paper-based products and they give you points for it. Uh, it, it comes, it, the points um, get translated into money <laughs> it's money, like the yeah. e-waste yeah
0: e-waste, e-waste if i like, just like if you're dropping something then you scan a account, you got yeah. like 15 points or yeah. 100 points
2: yeah um but i don't know why those bins are not being rolled out as prominently <laughs> as Did they, they yeah. could and sometimes it's really hard to find also you know like yeah i i won't mention any names but one mm-hmm. of the bins that i tried looking for i was like I see it here on the map but it's not any yeah, I had anywhere. the same I have similar
0: yeah. experience. Yeah. I try to it's on the map but it's not there. Yeah. And it's still pretty hidden because it yeah. didn't show any photos on the map or any reference guide. Yeah. Which brings us to the next topic. So it's like as designers yes. how we can actually improve the whole thing. Like we can actually go hand in hand with intentional living by providing our expertise to make everything way easier. Like just now, I just based on your description, I already identified a few pain points. And Chris, believe me or not, I, I think that's a, that's a very really good opportunity to, to start step into it and thinking about something we can provide a solution
2: with. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I have a friend. She, she is with this, uh, yeah, it's like a design agency almost, but they used to, they're B Corp certified now, Uh, or yeah, yeah, they're B Corp certified, which is, that's like one of the highest accolades you can get as a company with a sustainable business model. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's very hard to even get a B Corp status. It's a rigorous process of um, going through all these like checks and regulations. um, And it's, It consists of everything from the way you manage your employees to what you do in your office to how you, the types of services you provide. So they used to market themselves as human centric design, like they offered human centric design services. But now they decided to switch it to planet centric design. And just that language being used is so different because if you design something just for humans, it's not taking into account how that design will affect the environment around it, right? But if you think about a planet-centric design, that's a bit more um, all-encompassing. And I'm not sure if you've heard of the term biomimicry, right? It's something that scientists are, I guess, trying to use in terms of um, building things or trying to, like, structure the way our society Mm -hmm. is run. And, um, yeah, I think as designers... Actually, yeah, designers have so much power in influencing the way um, the world works. Like literally everything needs a designer. Like my my water bottle here, this (laughs) microphone, like the Mm -hmm. materials being used to make this microphone, right? And the designer would be the one deciding that. So Mm -hmm. as a designer, how can you think of ways, yes, besides making it, look good how functional it is but also how uh, harmonious it is with the environment Mm -hmm. and how it won't it will well maybe it won't be absolutely zero waste but at the end of its life what will you be able to do with it right is it going to be easily recycled can you like break it down easily all of those things so yeah designers have a lot of power in doing that and there are so many ways in the design world where you can do that. So, yeah. I, I mean, I'm not a designer, so I don't know what the processes are for <laughs> General, designing I, things. Generally,
0: I found design in design world, um, it is still very uncommon to take into consideration mm-hmm. of the... We, we only thought about how a product is being designed and being used, but we never thought about how the product can be dismantled and recycled in the afterlife. And uh, to have that into your consideration thinking about the degree the the green premium you paid for to add it up to your price tag eventually everything should be designed in the way to take all this in in into the total value yeah but look we
1: we're all talking about this perfect situation right mm-hmm. it in theory it all sounds like, you know, pretty good plan. You start living intentionally. You focus on yourself first. You get your things in order. You start thinking about the impact that you make. And if you happen to be a designer, you also try to incorporate this in your practice. But then you look at the reality, uh, which is just, you know, another standpoint in this case. But uh, you look at it from... Uh, the perspective of uh, someone who sees, you know, essentially big companies, corporations, industries contributing so much to global warming, climate change, pollution, etc. Uh, you have really good initiatives being stained and essentially their reputations destroyed. Uh, think about the like the moment you mentioned uh, textile recycling, I started thinking of H&M and uh, Uniqlo and other companies. Who like, uh, Maybe not Uniqlo, but H&M, definitely H&M was okay. there uh, that do collect something, the recycling bins, but most of it ends up in a landfill, essentially. Yeah. You have lots of initiatives that look well on paper and companies that you know declare that they've got you know all of those initiatives running. But at the end of the day, Uh, People like us uh, have very little say in Mm -hmm. what gets in production. You know, there's all sorts of different things in play. Now we're in the recession, which means the companies are trying to cut costs. uh, Every opportunity they get in what gets trimmed or all of those ethical considerations, considerations for the environmental impact as well. Uh, So I think the big question is not only what we, can do in this case with it but rather how can we offset the damage that we make because as designers we get to uh we get to compromise a lot we have to make a lot of choices then that we're not comfortable with you know and we are essentially complicit if if not guilty we are guilty i mean because
0: i design this role isn't like you have to design a solution to make more money
1: for the don't want to to come off as that yeah Mm -hmm. but no
2: i think it's important to acknowledge that because yeah Mm -hmm. obviously at the end of the day it's all about the money right and but it is possible to build a business and still make money and this is something that that was brought up in uh the b corp workshop mm-hmm. that I went to because you were speaking to all these companies who are profiting some of them have B Corp status for like five years and they're still profiting so obviously it is very doable it is very possible and I mean there's two ways to look at it right like either you make a change in your company step by step or if it's really hard to make that change within that company question if That's truly the way you can make a change with your skills. If you really can't get anywhere, then it might be time to move on and look for a place that allows for you to do that. So, Mm -hmm. again, another friend of mine, she's also a designer. She did packaging design and she's great at her work. She's really good at, you know, um, doing all that. And she was designing for all these big companies But again, she was thinking like, wait, why, why am I doing this? It's just packaging in itself. It's so wasteful and so much packaging everywhere. And so she thought, yeah, I'm not going to design for that industry anymore. And she chose to design in another way instead. That's like what I said earlier, similar to that other friend I mentioned, planet centric, Mm -hmm. um, She's also now an educator uh, at a school and teaching about, I guess, more climate positive ways of being a designer. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's actually, yeah, there's a collective of designers, uh, oh, climate designers, I think it's called, a group group. Uh, it's a support network for designers all around the world. There's different uh, groups in different cities, but it's essentially designers who come together. So even if you work with a big company and it's really hard for you to make a change, you can still be part of this group and get some ideas from them on how to make changes in different ways. So there's there's just so much out there that can give you a lot of ideas and support to make changes in many, many small ways, right? Um So, yeah, I think, yes, it is definitely shitty that the top 1% of companies are contributing. That's the reality. Yes. And we should acknowledge that. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying we ignore it. But acknowledging that while also finding ways to make the change with what you can is equally important, right? It's much better to do something than just be like, ah, let it all happen and not do anything. So... Yeah, I think designers definitely have a lot of power to make changes.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the thing that comes up very often in like my accessibility practice, and I think it's quite relevant here as well, is uh, you can achieve quite a lot uh, doing small things, right? When you have a lot of people doing tiny little things, mm-hmm. that is much better than few people that do big things and you know that end up going nowhere essentially but I kind of escape the feeling that uh, in order to achieve substantial results especially at scale we do need a lot of support from the leadership essentially if we're talking about companies we do need support from people who are you know influential enough to not only inspire others or do something themselves but also to establish practices maybe lobby for regulations, Uh, getting back to the point of recycling. You know, you you can't really achieve everything if you're only trying to use positive enforcement, but there's essentially, uh, like, that is is it. You do need uh, certain rules of engagement. Uh, But we also see a lot of people in positions of power being hesitant to adopt any of those practices. So I'm wondering if, Anything could help change their minds as well, because I would assume it might take a little more than you know encouraging them to start doing this. Like, how do we help them understand that this is more important than money?
2: Well, okay, I'm because I'm very involved in the sustainability space, so I know yeah. all the news. Um, I'm not sure if you've heard, Singapore government is. Having regulations for publicly listed companies to report their environmental impact yeah. Yeah. Um, so that that's a huge that's huge you know I mean the fact that you're even asking them to do that shows like okay they're thinking about this they're doing something and yeah I've spoken to um even like leaders in the space you know uh, they are they are even with the whole like So, you know, new water, right? Singapore uh, recycles (laughs) the toilet water to make it drinkable. Um, They're also using it to make beer. Like, I don't know what is the beer one. But I also heard from uh, the ministry that they're researching how to make it into new sand, which is instead of us reclaiming sand from other countries we produce our own sand and using it to reclaim our own land or even using it in the building construction of new roads and buildings. So a lot of these things are happening um, at a systemic level. It's not as fast as I would hope it to be, but it's happening. So it's, yeah, that that they are doing all of that because now obviously, you know, the conversations have been happening and yeah, I think if not for all these conversations, I don't think they'll place priority on making these changes and creating all these policies. So it's there's definitely things happening on a systemic level. So I wouldn't say like it's totally hopeless. There is something happening. And I think, yeah, for us, we should continue keeping the conversations going, keep mm-hmm. doing all that we're doing in our communities because, you know, they do see that. They notice that and... When they see that, they're like, oh, wait, I'm going to invest in your work, like the Temase Foundation. Yeah, a lot mm. of money. And I know they invest in a lot of different sustainable projects. So, yeah, I think just keep doing in what you're doing in your little corner of the world. And mm-hmm. they will definitely see that it's it's, it's happening. <laughs>
0: and it's a collaborative work yes. as a community. Yeah. If everybody's doing a little bit mm-hmm. and then the effect is there. Mm mm-hmm people will see the actual change
2: Yep. yeah
1: well i think that pretty much concludes it really well uh, thank yeah. you so much thank for coming over today thanks for your great advice and tips on how to live sustainably how to live intentionally or to start taking care of yourself uh consider the impact that your actions make and do one good thing at a time in order yeah, just to change baby the world. steps
2: yeah, I mean, if anyone wants some inspiration mm-hmm. <laughs> on what to do, I like to recommend uh, the Netflix of sustainability. <laughs> it's called waterbear.com.
0: Waterbear. Yeah,
2: waterbear. So, you know what is a waterbear, right? Tardigrade. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The first yeah. ever living thing that existed on Earth, a tardigrade or a okay. waterbear. Like, okay. tiny. Um, is that the thing they sent hmm?
1: on the moon? Yeah, let me see. They space. sent the tardigrade they, on the... They, 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 they no. sent... <laughs> yeah, I think really? they really? sent... They did sent they? water bears and... Oh, did they? Or am I, am I being stupid? Yeah, I think they did yeah? send them... Oh. They sent them into space. But they space. look really
2: cute. Like, the first time I saw them, I was like, oh, they're like little caterpillars with chubby legs. Mm-hmm. But waterbear.com is basically a free streaming site that it's all just documentaries or short series on... Oh, wow. Uh, environmental, social, uh, environmental and social issues. And they always offer um, like what you can do at the end, right? So I find that if you're totally lost on what to do, just Mm -hmm. watch a few documentaries and series on there, feel a bit inspired and find what you're really passionate about and just focus on that, right? Um, Yeah, I. it took me a while to find... The segment of sustainability that I was passionate in, but I just tried everything and I found for me right now it's um, mainly focused around circular fashion, urban farming, uh, zero waste living, and yeah, mindfulness. So, yeah.
1: Amazing. now yeah, I'm no, sure you're going to check it out. Tonight. Yeah. Probably watching some documentaries and something to care the weekend dairy on, yeah. industry. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well thank you so much. Thank you so much for that. Thanks You're a lot.
2: Yes. Thanks for having me. I
1: was Paper and Pain. And this is Steve. And this is Christian. See you next time. See you next episode. Bye. Yeah. Cheers. Happy birthday
2: it's, it's Like actual like today. today? Actual day oh, today Oh, happy birthday <laughs> How young? Old.
0: Yes Just a little over
2: 25 Oh, six, wow six, Baby eight. Still yes. a baby yes. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, yes